you know, the commitment for me to, to sing as I am and to continue showing up and sharing my voice, regardless of the inner voices, has really allowed me to live in the most authentic way possible. Welcome to A Congruent Life, where we share inspirational stories of authenticity and happiness. A Congruent Life is an interview project sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, discovering their passions, and living authentic, amazing lives. Here's your host, Andy Gray. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 23 of A Congruent Life. I'm Andy Gray, and thanks for joining us. In her youth, Julie Dragonfly turned to alcohol, drugs, and sex for the courage to be herself in the world. Through some significant experiences, she rediscovered the power of music in her own life and embraced that as another language for self-healing and of being of service to others. Leaving her addictions behind and transforming her engineering career into a path as a yoga teacher and healer, Julie travels around the world doing a project she calls Sing As I Am, sharing the healing power of sound. So today on A Kruger Life, I'm pleased to be talking with Julie Dragonfly, who calls herself a traveling minstrel and shares her music and sound healing with the intention of celebrating our unique and brilliant gifts. Julie, welcome to A Kruger Life. Thank you. So a traveling minstrel, what does that mean? Well... <laughs> For the past two years, I have committed to being home free, and as I'm home free, I'm traveling around different parts of the world and sharing my music. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got started with music? Yeah, so as a kid, I was very musical. I think around the age of nine, I started taking piano. A few years after that, I, I was in the school band and I played the clarinet and eventually the bass clarinet. And, you know, I loved singing. I sang a lot with, with church. We used to go to church camp and my fondest memories are of us out on the dock um, of Lake Michigan. And we used to have a, a campfire every night and the campfire would be about us as a community coming together and singing. And so there we were out in nature, you know, singing these sacred songs together. And it was, I think, a really deep memory for me around like my, my coming to really love music and nature and those two things together and being in community doing that. I gave up music for, <laughs> I kind of switched my, um, altering consciousness activities. And um, it went from playing music to um, drinking alcohol and smoking marijuana. And, and uh, it was around, I would say, like 15 when that, when that started happening. So when I started partying, I basically gave up all my musical endeavors and gave up the, um, the participation of the music making. Although I must say that also around that time, I found dancing, which I had never done as a kid. And so in a way, my body became the instrument 
And I would go out dancing. I mean, I would be in, you know, clubs. Of course, I would be drinking and, and partying as well. But music was still very important to me. It just would, you know, be the way that I would move it through my body. So as a kid, this was an important piece of your life that you that you left behind. What was the path you know, sort of brought you back to music? How did you come to have a music teacher at all later in your life? So it was six and a half years ago. I was taking um, a yoga teacher training program. I, I did um, a 500-hour program, which basically was three years of pretty intense study. And as part of that, we also needed to do a, a personal project. And one of my teachers, um, who was more on the meditation side of things, played the harmonium and sang and um, studied in this program called Yoga of the Voice. And so I started six and a half years ago singing as, um, as part of my daily yoga practice. And, um, and so that's, yeah, that was really what brought me back. And, and I remember one of the first times I was singing with her and, you know, it was mostly Sanskrit, um, chanting. And so when I initially started singing it, I didn't know really what these, what really what the words meant. I mean, somebody could say it to me, um, but you know, I, I really didn't know what they meant, but even so, singing that first time, like I remember memories going back to when I was a kid and I was at church camp and we would be sitting around a fire outside, like communing with nature and singing together. And it reminded me so much of that, that, um, you know, that, that place where we're connected and we, and we don't even have to, um, talk to each other. We don't, you know, it's, it's just through this, this other language, you know, almost like a first language that um, I'm connecting with people. And it, it felt really similar. And so from that time, from that first time singing with this teacher, I knew that it was something that I wanted to do. And so I started um, having private lessons with her. And it was, well, six months after I quit drinking and smoking and then a few months after that, I quit my engineering career. So coming back to music feels like a really um, instrumental part of my life, <laughs> pun intended. You were telling me before about your music teacher encouraging you to, to sing in public and in particular on singing in the streets. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, so in 2001... I was in Amsterdam and I was still using, you know, I was probably really high. I'm sure I was smoking marijuana at the time. And I had this vision while watching some street performers that I was going to be them, that I would be busking, that I'd be singing on the street someday. And at the time I, you know, like sh shrugged it off like, oh my goodness, I'm not even engaging in music at this point. So, you know, what does that mean? And then eight years later, I found myself in a sound healing program in San Francisco. And the teacher of the program, Sylvia Nakash, says one of her teachers suggested for anybody who wants to learn about performing in front of people to go do it on the streets. And immediately there, you know, the 
resonance in me, like the hairs on my arms stood up and I was like, oh my goodness, like I remembered this time when this came up and I I felt so clear in that moment that that she was suggesting this to me. I think, you know, probably the next day or that <laughs> next week, I went out into the train station to share my music and but it was it was a way in which I, you know, I was able to find my confidence and I can yeah, I can definitely see why she said recommending to um to anybody who wants to get in touch with performing to go into the streets. And the first time I went out, it was really intense. I went to the the train station and I wasn't planning to busk. I just thought, oh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to sing. Yeah, the type of music that I do um, or that I started with doing is very meditational. It's um, usually would happen during yoga class. And so it was very much like I could close my eyes and that's how I would normally sing. And so that's how I was doing it. And it was almost like, you know, a, a little kid under the blanket hiding from the monsters. Like if you close your eyes, they're not there <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and so I had no intention really to, to busk or to, you know, to ask for money. I was just doing it because I thought, oh, this is a great, a great way to, to develop some performance skills. And so I, I went out and, and I had my bag sitting next to me, my instrument bag. And I was sitting on the ground with my instrument and closing my eyes and playing. And somebody walked by me. I could hear, you know, I could hear their footsteps and they were, they were, um, they had a bike with them. And I heard the change drop into my bag. And that was like, you know, the, the symbol of, of, um, wow, people actually like this. And then I realized, oh, wow, actually this, this is busking. Like this is what people do, you know? And, and so to have, you know, to have it come full circle, like, I guess it would have been eight years later and, you know, to be, to be busking after all, um, felt pretty special. After I heard the coins clinking into my bag and, that gave me confidence to start opening my eyes. And then I started connecting with people who were walking in the train station. At some point I saw somebody come and sit down and was there for probably 10 minutes or so. And then they dropped um, a note in my bag. And later on my way home, I opened the note and it had a dollar. There was a dollar in, in the note, but the note said, I walked by you 10 minutes ago and started crying and haven't stopped since. He says, I've been addicted to meth for the last five years and lost everything, my home, my partner, my career, myself. And, um, you know, walking by you 10 minutes ago reminded me that I still feel, you know, thank you for showing me that I still feel. So this was, you know, for me, more than more than the money and 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 all the other recognition that I got, it was you know, it was the universe saying, yes, this is um, this is what uh, what I want you to be doing right now. So where has that led you today? Now, how has this rediscovery of music led you to what you're doing next? So yeah, when I when I started singing, you know, for me, it just it felt like. Um, 
it immediately felt like something that I didn't want to just keep for myself. Um, and I wanted to, to share. And so, um, as a yoga teacher at the time, I would, um, you know, teach the yoga class would be mostly asana or physical poses. And then at the end, I would always sing, um, for the folks as they were relaxing in Shavasana. And so that's where it started. And then again, you know, as my confidence built over the years, I started then to, um, to be able to share music with people singing with me. Um, and the, the style of music is called Kirtan. It's the call and response that is just repeated for, um, a long period of time. So from, from that really from that early time, you know, there was a part of me that just wanted to share it, that wanted to be doing this with people that wanted to be singing in circles with people. It's interesting as I've tried to back away from it and like, you know, go hide again, like crawl into the cave. You know, there's points in my life that have been pretty dark. You know, I've gone through depression and in those times I just want to like crawl into a cave and, you know, seek (laughs) spiritual enlightenment without all of these uh, people and and worldly things around me. Um, And it seems like every time I try to do that, something keeps pulling me back into the circles with people singing. So yeah, now, now I know that it's, it is what my gift is at this um, really amazing transitional time um, in this world. Now I, I share this, with people who either, you know, I might be living with them. I'm not so much going into the streets anymore with, with the music. It's now become, um, you know, in the communities that I live in or the communities that I'm a part of, you know, whether it's yoga or my spiritual community, I will share this music. And, um, yeah, I think of it now as, like if there were a job in this world that was a community musician and, you know, someone who could be called upon when, when the community needed some music, you know, for a a ritual or to celebrate, you know, some aspect of life, I would hope that I would be called on. I'm starting to see pieces of that when I, I lived at Findhorn, which is an eco village in Scotland for uh, six months. And this, this very concept actually did happen. I, the people who focalized the garden asked me to come in and make music while they were harvesting the food. So um, I was one of the musicians set around the fields while people were harvesting food and I was singing. So it's, it's beautiful, you know, to be, imagining that this could be true and then to start feeling that it actually is, you know, as I start to look around and, Oh yeah, actually somebody asked me to sing in their wedding and Oh wow. I sang for a funeral, you know, last year and um, just seeing that that is actually starting to come, come true. So it's, it's not necessarily like, you know, performance for entertainment, but it's, I like to think of it more as um, transformance, you know, so I'm singing either with, um, people or, or by myself with the intention of, you know, bringing in joy or expressing sadness through tears. 
What a fantastic resonance with the gift. First of all, being able to discover and articulate that gift and and what it means in your life and then being able to act on that and take that into the world. So how how did you go from that? How did you, you know, once you started getting this sense of, yes, I'm called to do this work, how did how did Sing As I Am come out of that? How were you able to turn that corner and, and manifest that in the world? Well, um, yeah, Sing As I Am, I started to talk about before. Um, it, the idea was actually born. So at this point, you know, when Sing As I Am actually manifested, I, I had already been singing in yoga classes. Um, and then when I was in the sound healing program, um, you know, I got this hit to go out into the streets and sing. And as I was doing that, and, you know, people that would come across me would feel like they would, they would feel the, you know, the emotions that, that were being expressed through the music. And I had many people crying there in the BART station and like, um, sharing, you know, what, what challenges they were having in their life. And like, we would, um, we would then sing together a particular song. And as I was doing that, people, you know, somebody had one person who experienced that with me said, you know, this is what we need in every train station and every street corner across the country. Like if only we had, you know, healers, <laughs> sound healers and, you know, therapists and whatever around um, different places, like, you know, this is what we need. And I was like, well, tell you what, I've got, you know, at that point I was in Berkeley and I said, tell you what, I've got, you know, this, this train station I've got covered. But that, that idea um, sparked, you know, sing as I am in a more uh, grand kind of way. And it's that, um, well, the idea sing as I am really by the name is that I'm going to go out singing regardless of how I think it sounds. So that's where the name came along. But then, you know, the, the bigger project is to take it not just to where I live, but to take it wherever I am. And so the idea came to take it on the road. And I committed at that point to um, two years of living home free and traveling around. I was for the first year I lived in my van traveling around North America and um, went all the way from Arizona up to Canada, back down through California and through Chicago and down south, Tennessee and Texas and um, back up to California. And then the second year I um, my van died actually. And so I um, I went over to Europe. So this sing as I, I sing as I am concept is traveling around the world, um, sharing the gift of music and writing stories about it. So in that way, sharing with words um, with people as well as, you know, so that when, when I'm in Glastonbury, for example, and I'm singing in this cavern and people start singing with me, the story that I share with people in some way impacts them or, you know, they can, they can share in that, in that process. So, so yeah, seeing as I am became um, much bigger than just going out in the, into the train stations, but it's, um, it's become a project for, you know, I've, I've, like I said, it's been going for three and a half years 
And for the past two years, I've been home free doing it. And um, I'm seeing one more year of travel left in this. And, you know, as I do this, I, I continue to write stories and um, accept donations from people who um, are inspired by what I'm doing. So what's next for the project? You're going to continue to travel for another year? Where is this going to take you? Yeah, so, um, you know, I've had um, I've had a yoga practice for 11 years and the this yoga, the voice for about um, six and a half. And um, India are, you know, is where where these practices come from. And so that is where I'm headed in July. I will travel to well, first, I'm going to stop in Germany um, and then I will go to India, and I'm also hoping to to go to Africa since I'll be on that side of the world anyway. Um, and you know, each place that I've that I have um, planned to visit has a special meaning for me. Um, you know, I went back to Chicago because that's where I grew up, and I went to places that I spent as a child, like really falling in love with nature and, um, you know, in all of these places I'm, I'm singing and I'm, um, and I'm praying and, um, yeah, just bringing up parts of myself and recovering parts of myself that, um, somehow got lost along the way. And so India, you know, is a place that in this lifetime I haven't lived, but there's something in me that is, so drawn by the the practice that um, that I know that it's somewhere you know in my <laughs> genetics, and so by going to India, it's it's like a pilgrimage, you know, going to the place from where this music comes um, that has affected me and my life uh, pretty deeply. Um, and Africa has a, a similar a similar pull. Um, in that, you know, it's, it's resonated the music and the, the tradition, the ritual has resonated with me deeply for many years. And I never really understood, um, why. And, and now I think I'm releasing that need to know why, and I'm just going with it and, um, you know, hope to, I hope to find, um, something <laughs> when I get there and, uh, in my experience so far is that um, I'm always finding something. You know, there's some piece of knowledge that once I'm there and I have it, makes all the sense in the world. Do you have a sense of how this work, this project, this traveling, this sharing of your gifts with others has impacted you personally as well as the people that you're coming in contact with? Well, funny you should ask. Yes. Yeah, I think, you know, from that first time out with a note from the person basically saying, you know, your music brought me to tears and reminded me that I feel. I've also shared music um, with kids in prison um, while I was teaching yoga. I would share with kids in prison and, and just, you know, the stories that they would come up with after hearing my music. And, and again, like I never, I never explain like, oh, this music comes from India and, you know, this is what it means. Like I just share the music and then 
somebody after Shavasana, this kid, you know, who was a gang member, like there were competing gangs in the same class. And I had to have, you know, some other security person in there because they were causing lots of trouble before class. So, I mean, these are the kind of kids that, you know, are listening to this music and then sitting up afterwards and going, that made me think of my mom, you know, sitting at home late at night worried about me. Yeah, so these, you know, these insights that these kids are are having just reminds me how deeply music touches us. And, you know, it goes way beyond the words. Like if I were trying to explain, you know, to that person how hard it is for a parent, you know, to be at home worried about a kid and if they're getting up, you know, into trouble, like to say that in words just doesn't really impact everybody, but just to hear a piece of music and have that be bubbling up inside of themselves is just really powerful. And then recently I did, um, I did a fundraiser. So, you know, so far I've been funding this with my savings, um, as well as people opening their houses to me, but I did a fundraiser with the intention of engaging people in um, the conversation of money. Money for me has been a real key piece to my worth or my lack of self-worth. And so by asking for money for people to support my project, my intention was to really make sure that I'm not, um, that I wasn't taking my worth in whether I was going to be donated to or not. You know, so like to feel all of this abundance coming toward me or not, and not have it be about me. And so I feel recently, you know, not only has the music had an impact on people, I feel like, you know, that that seems pretty obvious at this point, just, you know, with all of my experience um, with, you know, the sound and its vibrations and, and how we're getting into places where, like I said, the verbal just can't go. This asking for people to have dialogue with me around money, um, I think certainly impacted me and my relationship, you know, to, to my self-worth. Um, but it also, um, inspired many dialogues with, you know, with people, um, from all different parts of my life, you know, to talk about money and like, what is this symbol that, you know, that has come to be the most valuable thing on earth, like, you know, more than earth itself, like money has become this, this big, giant, powerful thing. And, and, um, in some spiritual communities is like an evil thing. And so by really trying to welcome that piece in and, um, heal my relationship with it, I feel like, um, people who I was reaching out to um, also could see like the shift that happened as a result of, of that process. So I think, yeah, both, you know, just simply deciding to live in a different way um, and sharing, you know, being this community musician that I'm talking about this um, um, share of, sound when people are needing it um 
So it's that piece as well as the, the gift economy piece, you know, this idea that I'm going to, I'm going to share the music regardless of who is able to, to pay me for it. And I'm going to accept donations for people from people who are inspired by what I'm doing with this idea, you know, this, this African idea I learned says, you know, when, when Africans either give or receive a gift, it's with both hands. And in that way, they are both um, receiving as well as giving. So the idea that, you know, by, by me sharing my gift, um, I'm not just giving, I'm also receiving. And the same goes for the other person on the other side. A congruent life is really about telling stories of authenticity, and certainly your story is one of authenticity. But how would you answer that about your own project? You know, what what does it mean to you to live authentically, and and how are you doing that through this project? Wow. Yes, I think you know by the the very name of the project, "Sing as I Am," is really to represent that that I'm going to sing regardless of what the voices in my head say. So not waiting until perfection to share my music or to share my gift. And so by doing that, you know, being committed to continuing to show up, even when those voices say, oh, my goodness, you're not good enough. Like, what are you thinking? Asking people for money? Like, you know, as these voices come up to just hear them, acknowledge that, you know, that's, that's part of the process and to continue to show up. And so for me, you know, it's like that authenticity is to be real with the fact that maybe these voices will never be completely gone. And, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe there will always be a challenge that comes into my life. Like, you know, maybe there's not this, you know, I've always heard of enlightenment as, oh, this place where, you know, you no longer have to work <laughs> at living you know, at, at being alive. So maybe it's just showing up in a very pure and authentic way. So by being committed to that process of just really showing up as I am, singing as I am, I've gotten this uh, courage to come out of many different closets that I was hiding in before. One of the biggest closets and the you know hardest things for me to come out of was saying that I'm a yogi. You know, in the tradition that I was raised in, this wasn't accepted. You know, the fact that there might be a, another possible religion. And then coming out of the closet as being queer. It's interesting how, you know, the commitment for me to to sing as I am and to, to continue showing up and sharing my voice, regardless of the inner voices, has really allowed me to live in the most authentic way possible. What I've noticed is that when I'm doing that, because I'm not going to say I, I do that all the time, like there's definitely times where I just want to, you know, hide under, well, maybe inside of a big carton of ice cream, or I want to hide from all of the feelings that I still still feel. But I think to be real with that and to, you know, to, to see that as, oh, right, this is this is part of it. This is part of the process. And how I show up when that's happening, I think, is is really the answer to that. You know, what is it to be authentic? You know, to be in that place of just wanting to crawl under a rock and be courageous enough to like to name that 
whether that's to myself or, you know, to somebody else to ask for help. So, yeah, I, I feel like this project has really encouraged me to become that authentic person that I, you know, I've seen in other people throughout my life and just really, really um, envied and, and wanted for myself. As you're traveling around the world, how are you sharing your stories with people back home or in other places? And, and how can our listeners engage with you? Well, I, I do have a blog that I've been writing for the past two years, although there are writings, you know, from longer than that. There's a blog where the stories are shared, you know, in words. And as I share these stories, uh, my hope, my dream, and my goal is to weave these stories together into a book. And as I'm sharing these stories with people, you know, around the world, I'm starting to get the um, request and the feedback that it's great to hear about these different songs written down on paper, but that people would actually like to hear them recorded. And so um, that really challenges me because recording is yet another level of showing up in being authentic um, so I'm, I'm coming to the challenge and I've bought a recorder and so I've started to share video and, um, recordings with people as well. So people will be able to follow my blog while I'm traveling and, you know, when it's, when it's all said and done, eventually there will be a book and, uh, a recording to go along with the book. Fantastic. And that, that blog is at juliedragonfly.com. And would you like to share any music with us today? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> been wonderful to have an excuse to to record and to to do this magic for folks I, I think I just want to say thank you I think this has been really beautiful you know just to have an opportunity to to talk about what I'm doing and and my life like it yeah it it feels I feel very honored um to share that with you so thank you well, Julie Dragonfly, thank you and continued blessings on your project and your travels. And, and please let us know how it's going. I will do so. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Julie. You can find the webpage for this episode at acongruentlife.net slash 23. They're all linked to Julie's blog so you can follow along with her journey. We have a mailing list. Please join us on the website and I'll share weekly updates with more interesting conversations that we've got going on and keep you up to date with what's going on with A Congruent Life. 
Thanks again sincerely for being here and listening to A Congruent Life. I really appreciate your support of this project, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to A Congruent Life. For more, please visit us on the web at acongruentlife.net. Do you have feedback about the show or suggestions for future guests? Please contact us through the website or send an email to feedback at acongruentlife.net. See you next time.